Episode 113 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast brought to you by Fangraphs.com. I'm your host, Jason Collette, joined live in the ballpark today by Eno Saris. Good afternoon, bud. How are you guys doing? I, I hear uh, the weather's not so great. It's uh, it's beautiful out here in San Francisco. Yeah, it's April 29th, which is pretty much the middle of summer for Orlando. And <laughs> the afternoon rain showers, if you've ever visited this market, you know what they're like. Well, they're already here. Uh, and they're a, little, they're a couple of days early. Usually these are the May showers. And they're here in April, so it's been a pretty crappy day. Hopefully, we can make it through the recording without any change, without any uh, interruptions and whatnot. So today, we're going to go over some of the. You wrote an article today about stabilization rate on, on strikeouts and a few things that you're observing there. Looking at some guys, some negative guys right now that are having some issues. Looking at some of the recent news uh, that's happened since Nick and I talked on Sunday, uh, and then letting you get off to do some of your interviews. Uh, the topic, the, the main topic today is going to be the uh, the article that you published over at Rotographs this morning entitled Strikeout Stabilization and Surprising Swings. And you, and you mentioned the work done by Russell Carlton and Derek Carty looking at you know, the thresholds when, when stats move into a decent sample size. And right now at 100 and uh, roughly going into uh, since no games have started today, I believe the plate appearance leader is Paul Goldschmidt at 128 plate appearances. That's enough for us to look at strikeout rates and walk rates. And that's it. So far, so that's kind of what we're stuck with. But you did, uh, you looked into it and found uh, quite a number of guys with a rather positive swing uh, and even a negative swing. But there's been some rather surprising uh, strikeout improvements by a couple of guys we weren't looking to get those from this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, people had pretty much left Miguel Montero for dead. Um, So it's really nice to see him uh, boost his strikeout rate. And, uh, and, uh, and, and basically, you know, the, the thing that's funny about stabilization is basically we're saying that we now know more than nothing. <laughs> I mean, the, the squared on this is, is, uh, is 50 or, or, or 0.5. So that means that we now know that his current strikeout rate is more important to his rest of season strikeout rate um, than, uh, than the league average. So uh, the fact that he's striking out eight percent of the time, and he and he's never done that before, um, I think he'll still regress some. But uh, I think he's pretty much a lock for one of the better strikeout rates of his career, um, and that pretty much means one of the better batting averages of his career, unless his batting average on balls and play doesn't um, doesn't cooperate. And uh, you know he's already hit two eighty plus, you know, two or th- three seasons out of his five. So uh, um, I think he's a good bet for a two eighty two eighty five batting average this year. Uh, with double-digit homers, that's a, definitely a top-12 catcher, um, and he didn't cost the, he didn't cost top-12 prices going. Right, he absolutely didn't. What, when, when looking at him, one of the things that kind of stands out is he kind of did this in 2009. We look back at his 2009 season when he hit 294, 355, 478 as his triple slash line struck out uh, a, at time a career best just 16 uh, 16.6% of the time and had a low swing and miss rate his you know he was making contact about 80% of the time when he was swinging we look at this year and he's right back to that threshold after the past few seasons being in the low 70s with his contact rate so whatever it is it's kind of come back full circle 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was willing to put him in the mix of all these guys that, that could be sort of your 6th to 12th ranked catchers. I think there's basically a scrum there. Um, and, you know, I guess, you know, hitting 270 with two homers, maybe people haven't really noticed um, yet. And I bet you he's on some waiver wires out there, and I bet you he's a better bet than some of the guys that are on rosters uh, in leagues where he's on waiver wires. So I, I thought that was worth uh, pointing out. Well, I tell out. you, somebody if somebody is holding Tyler Flowers and, and is holding Tyler Flowers and Miguel Montero is still sitting out there, make that switch quick. I don't know if you saw this because I was, I was tweeting this incredulously last night. Tyler Flowers has a 600 batting average on balls in play. It's 160 points higher than any other batter with at least 70 plate appearances this year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's ridiculous. 20, 25 <laughs> singles out of 28 hits. And yesterday in last night's game against Tampa Bay, he had an infield single, which for a catcher is practically impossible. And then he had a flop shot single just over the shortstop. It's like everything he's hitting is finding grass right now. It's insane. And he's hitting 380. And I know it sounds like ludicrous to say cut a catcher that's hitting 380, but my God, you had everything you possibly could have wanted out of this guy. By this point, you drafted him for power, and now he's giving you the batting. He gave you the batting average for the first four weeks of the season. So if you want to hold out for the power coming back, by all means, be my guest. But this is, I mean, this is going to go down quickly, the way this is going. And if Montero's sitting out there, I'm pouncing. Yeah. You know, I'm a little bit worried about Brandon's season. Because... I think he was definitely a two-thirds player, um, you know, was going to get platooned. That's what his team does. Um, for what it's worth, they're not platooning him as much this year. Um, and not much to ever put up a better betting average. I thought basically he'd do worse maybe than his 256 last year. Uh, so here we are. He's got a worse batting average on balls in play, but he's improved his strikeout rate by almost 10%. And uh, he's starting almost every day, and he's making me look like an idiot. Yeah, I mean, there's a few players out there making us all look like idiots. So it is, you know, there's uh, Chris Johnson's the one I'm still waiting to hold out on after spending so much time defending him. The 241 batting average and just one home run is uh, is is not holding up well so far. But I'm not I'm not bailing bailing on Chris Johnson just yet uh, with everything. But there was a couple other guys we look at Brandon Moss, a, a guy that's had a lot of success so far with Oakland. Struck out 28% of the time last year. This year, he's down to 19%, so a 9 percentage point improvement. Batting average on balls in play is 295 right now, and he's hitting 268, which is about 35 points better than what it was last year. I believe he was a 230 hitter last year. No, I, I was yeah, I was just saying he was a 256 hitter last year. Uh, but I thought, I thought that kind of a, a high watermark in a way. I thought he would do worse because he had, you know, above a 300 batting average. He had a really a lot of power. I thought the power might regress some. And we'd see like a 240, 230. And that's, you know, that's for what it's worth. Zips and Steamer are still projecting him from like a 240 number mm-hmm. the rest of the way. But um, I am I guess I'm buying this uh, this strikeout rate increase, uh, increase a little bit more than Zips and Steamer. Um, and I like, you know, for what it's worth, I like it when it comes with a contact rate increase. I like to see um, some uh, person, you know, uh, swing and, and zone and reach and those two things. I like to see some improvement there. And uh, he's just making a lot of contact in the zone. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, the swing strike rates down. I just, I think that's a good thing to put a strikeout rate going down. I mean, somebody pointed out in the comments, uh, that right. So Alejandro de Aza, uh, his strikeout rate is down, 
Um, but the, I mean, is also down. Uh, so I, I feel like, you know, I'm not so sure Daza is is um, a good bet to, to keep his gains. Um, so uh, I, I like it. And in another A's case, uh, Wayne Cespedes mm-hmm. had actually uh, almost halved his swinging strike rate. So, um, you know, there was some talk in the spring about him, you know, shortening his swing um, and uh, all his contact rates are way through the roof. Uh, he's swimming just a little bit less and um, and just making a lot more contact. And hopefully it doesn't hurt his power. Um, but so far, so good, really, on the power if you go by isolated slugging. So really, with Wayne Cespedes, all you're waiting for is BABIP and stolen bases. And even if the stolen bases don't come, I think hit 265, 270 the rest of the season with uh, 20 to 25 homer power. Um, and and he's probably pretty cheap right now. I mean, yes, he has those four homers, but uh, after he hit 240 last year and he's hitting 238 this year, his owner might think that it's, you know, 240 again this year. But the strikeout rate says it's good than 240. Right, and there's a couple of guys I've seen it, you know, in a couple of my home leagues that people are starting to try to buy low on right now, and Pedro Alvarez is one of those. In fact... In labor, in the mixed labor league that, that I'm in, somebody traded Johnny Cueto for Pedro Alvarez. And you look at Pedro Alvarez and say, okay, we're seeing a guy currently hitting 172. He's still getting the home runs, but he's improved his strikeout rate from 30, 30.3 to 23.4%. And But his batting average and balls in play is way down at 161 right now. That's you know about uh, 70s, 80 points below where I believe his previous career low has been. I don't have that... Because audio is a little bit tricky here with the storm. I don't want to risk the, the browser cutting into the audio quality any more than it already is here. But that's that's an issue. When I'm looking at it here, I see a guy that's got better baseball ahead of him because the batting average and balls in play will normalize. And at the same time, he's making more contact than he has in the past. Yeah, I think Pedro Alvarez, uh, you know, uh, I, I forget who it is, and I, I would love to give the credit to where it's due, but uh, one of my... Twitter followers pointed out to me uh, that basically across the board, all of his swing metrics are better. Uh, he's making more contact inside the zone. He's making more contact outside the zone. He's swinging less. Uh, he's reaching a whole lot less. And he's swinging in the zone about as much. So that's pretty much what you want from a guy. The only thing that pops out to me is that, there, you know, I think there is a bit of a hierarchy with these different swing re- metrics. Some are more important than others. I think the least important thing is out of zone contact right. rate. Uh, it's just something that is not something to live with and not, you know, not, it usually doesn't lead to good batting averages that we saw in a recent piece. I think it was um, Sullivan um, or maybe it was Sussman actually talking about good. Yeah, it was JD Sussman talking about good plate approaches and Brandon Nimmo. And he said that um, he found the, the batting average on balls in play outside the zone is around 260, and inside the zone is, is about 300. So, you know, you're talking about making contact on, on balls that the pitcher wants you to make contact on in a lot of, a lot of cases. So, um, but in Pedro Alvarez's case, at least all of the metrics line up, and it's not just some crazy boost in outside zone uh, contact. Yeah, one rate. of the things I was looking at this morning in something else I was working on is – Guys that have very low out-of-zone swing rates but have high strikeout rates because that, to me, is concerning. If they're not expanding their strike zone but they're striking out a lot, that means they're getting they're just getting over – they're getting worked over in the strike zone. Uh, to, 
Abraham Almonte has a very low out of swing percentage, but is leading the league in strikeouts overall and has a 36% strikeout rate. So he's getting beat in the zone. Jackie Bradley Jr. is another guy that comes to mind. He's got a high strikeout rate and a very low chase rate. Those are some one of the things I want to keep an eye on with guys. Are you know, it's one thing if you're killing yourself by expanding your strike. So it's another thing if you're striking out a lot and you're not chasing pitches. You're just striking out in the zone. To me, that's, uh, that sounds like somebody who's not long for the major leagues and could be back in a bench role or back in the minor leagues where they work on things because you shouldn't be getting worked over within the strike zone like that. Yeah, and, you know, Pedro Alvarez is still below average in that category, and maybe he always will be. He's, you know, he's the big slugger guy, um, and he, he doesn't have the greatest approach. But it is, it is good to, I think, see improvement across the board. I mean, it's obviously much better than the the opposite, which um, I guess you could probably say you're seeing with Brad Miller. Yeah, definitely. Because see, there it seems like a, a, even Zanino's in there. Before we get to some of the guys who are going the other direction, I think it's worth pointing out that VJ Upton actually falls into the group that's improving. Upton struck out 33.9% of the time last season, is at 28% right now. Uh, batting average in balls in play is 295, which is about what his career average is. He's still hitting just 211. I just think it's worth pointing out that BJ is at least improving somewhere when it looks like he's just everything's falling apart. He's actually showing some improvement in cutting down on his strikeouts. Now, the swings and miss, the swing and miss rate may be where it's been when he's been with Atlanta, but this is an improvement. Whereas it seems like everything for him is trending in the other direction. This one's at least trending positively. Well, well, when you're league worst in a category and, and then you're only in the top, you know, 10 worst, then <laughs> improve Any, Anything, anything. <laughs> Conversely, guys that are going the other direction. And this one stuns me because the guy with the worst drop, their tie, you mentioned Brad Miller's one of them. Edwin Encarnacci owns the other, and this guy has always had a very firm strike zone, very strong command of it. Strikeout rate was 10% last year. It is 23.4% this year. So he and Miller have the biggest jump in strikeout rate. Miller went from 15.5 to 28.9. But Encarnacci owned with a, a huge thing, and I get a lot of it. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of Twitter questions about Encarnacci owned. Is it still the wrist? Is it still the wrist? The wrist wasn't a problem this spring. And it doesn't appear. I saw him hit a home run off the facing of the restaurant in center field or the hotel. It wasn't a problem then either. This is strange. Uh, this is as strange as seeing the tremendously high walk rate for Jose Bautista. It's almost like, okay, we'll pitch around him and deal with Encarnacion, who seems to be in in the in between things. I'd like to sit down and do a little bit more video study on him because this is the, the worst kind of contact rate I've seen with a guy who is arguably one of my three favorite players in baseball. Yeah, and for what it's worth, it looks like he's just swinging a lot more and missing a lot more. I mean, it, you know, his reach rate is up from last year. It's one of his worst of his career. Uh, his swing rate is up from the last two years when he was really, you know, hitting on all cylinders. Um, and his in-zone contact rate is worst of his career. So, uh, you know, the one, the only thing that that I would say that's sort of a positive about this because I am actually worried about him a little bit, just all the swing metrics line up in the wrong direction, all Mm -hmm. that, um, is that even at – he's not so far gone. He was at such a good place – in such a good place that he's not so far gone that he won't be useful this year. Right. Um, I mean, a a 23% strikeout rate is – we're not talking Brad Miller problems here. Um, You know, we're not talking about B.J. Upton and this, you know, going from 33 to 28. We're talking about 23%. It's only 2% worse than league right. average. 
So, you know, so let's say, you know, so he's going to have a little bit worse than league average because of his strikeout rate. Um, you know, maybe his batting average on balls of play has been a little bit low for his career because he's a bit of a fly ball hitter. So, so that you're going to push the batting average a little bit lower there. But his power should come back. Um, and if the power comes back, that's actually going to help your batting average a little bit. So, you know, I think he could do a 250, 260 average and still hit, you know, 25 homers for the year, you know, maybe 30. Um, and, you know, yes, it would be a worse year for him, but it might be more than the pennies you're selling on the dollar for him right now. now indeed. One of the other guys that kind of stands out here for me is Martin Prado. I mean, Prado last year was a disappointment going to Arizona. This year is not off to a good start. 245 batting average, 291 on base percentage, 309 slugging. It's just, it has zero home runs, five doubles, and a triple. But what stands out, his strikeout rate has more than doubled from last year. Last year it was 8%. This year so far, it's 17.1%. He's swinging and missing. He's making less contact. You look at his overall contact percentage, it's down, but he's not really expanding his strike zone. That he's actually chasing fewer pitches, fewer percentage of pitchers, uh, pitches than he did last year. But he's also putting a fewer percentage of pitches in play because of the swing and miss. And so it's not it's not an expansion of strike zone that's the problem here. I don't know what to make of this. I mean, this is a really high strikeout rate for this guy. And I don't know what usually when I see a jump like that, I start looking at out of zone and that's not there. And this strikeout rate is a full four percentage points higher than anything he's done over the last five years. You know, it's actually Martin Prado. The reason I brought up the sort of hierarchy of these swing percentages is totally, I was thinking ahead to Martin Prado because he's made his living making contact on pitches outside mm-hmm. the zone. That's his best skill in a way. I mean, if you look across his, his percentages, that's his best skill. And, you know, the average out of zone contact rate is, you know, around 60, 65%. And for his career, he's over 80. So that's, that's just a weird skill. Um, it's, it's kind of like a, a Pablo Sandoval, Vladimir Guerrero skill where, and I think that actually lines up with, uh, if you look at his walk rates, they've never been really great. Um, and, and, you know, look at the, the kind of player he is, you know, he doesn't, he does reach a little bit and then, you know, he makes a ton of contact. I wonder, you know, if he, you know, Sullivan had that piece about the small box and the big box, you know, does he reach it really far? Maybe he reaches outside of the zone a little bit. And makes a lot of contact on those pitches, but whatever it's worth, that that skill doesn't age very well. Um, out of zone contact rate doesn't age very well. You think about Vladimir's final years; the batting average really went down. You, uh, you kind of think about how Pablo Sandoval might age. I, I think that's not a great skill to bank on. I'm kind of kicking myself because I traded for him. I didn't pay a lot, but I did trade for him in, in one of my in, in the league I that used used to be in, Devils Rejects. Mm-hmm. You know, he's my second baseman right now. And, of course, everything's better off if he's your second baseman. But if he's your third baseman or outfielder, I think you're going to either need to trade him to someone who needs a second baseman or, uh, you know, trade your second baseman and put him there because he's not looking like uh, a third baseman or an outfielder to me right now. And um, I'm a little bit worried, even though his overall swing strike rate looks really good, you know, when put into the context of him making a lot of contact outside mm-hmm. the zone, I don't think he's in a great shape. Yeah, I, I have him in a couple of leagues myself. He's on the I'm back. I dropped him in my uh, in 12 team NFBC. I was just I, I can't use him anymore. I looked at it and I was like, I don't like what I see here in a 12 team league. I don't think he's rosterable right now. Not this version of him. He's not doing anything. He doesn't run. He's not hitting for average, and he's not driving in runs. There's no need to carry him in a 12 league, 12 team league. 
and he doesn't do a lot of those things anyway. I mean, in a good year, you have him for batting average and a couple of home runs. You know, he never he did steal 17 that one year, but he's never going to go back to that. So if he's not hitting for average, and this strikeout rate suggests that he might, you know, might not hit for average. I mean, look at his BABIP. It's 300, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, you know, with this strikeout rate and a 300 batting average, batting average of balls in play, you might not be looking at better than 250, 260, at least until the power comes back. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of down on Prado. If you can make him your second baseman, then, uh, then of course, everything is, is better off because second baseman, just the bar is lower. But, um, yeah, in a 12-team, 10-team, I'm definitely not keeping around a 10-team. or 12-team, I might try and find a place from on my bench just because that's, you know, just being eligible in a lot of different places can be helpful in a head-to-head and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of down on him. I, I don't like that, the way that that um, outside zone contact is being yeah, it, it, Exactly. One of the things, the name that kind of surprises me down here at the bottom is Mike Trout. Mike Trout's strikeout rate's gone from 19% to 27.9%. It's kind of flown under the radar because his batting average is right where it's been each of the past two seasons. He's still getting on base 39% of the time. He's still slugging over 600. He's got six home runs. He has 15 extra base hits. Mike Trout, as far as a fantasy player, is doing exactly what you paid him to do. That said, for a guy's strikeout rate to jump 9.8 percentage points and to be six full percentage points higher than his first full season in the big leagues, it's kind of surprising to see. I was really taken back. By that, I mean, Prado's one thing, but to have Mike Trout right there with almost the same exact drop in strikeout rate is semi-alarming. Yeah, it's weird because it's a, lot, a large part of that is in-zone contact rate. And, you know, I don't think that we're afraid that he's being overmatched. Um, so I, I don't know what it is. It's hard to – I want to say he's being more aggressive and, and swinging more, um, which is – somewhat true but he's still swinging less than the league I mean, his average. pitches per plate appearance uh, is actually his three-year career high he's at 448 right now for his pitches per plate appearance he was 4-2 last year and 4-1 the season before so it's not it's not all aggressiveness uh you know it, there's not really an easy answer except for you know unless he's selling out a little bit for power uh, I, I'm looking at the types of pitches people are throwing him and I don't know how valuable this information is because it seems to be about the same every year but um, there's no, you know, they're not throwing him any pitch a ton more this year, just, you know, you know, because they think he can't handle it. So, um, you know, I, you know, maybe it's for power. Maybe he's going for the power and <laughs> it's hard to say anything about his batting average on balls and play. Cause he's like each year old with power right now. He's got a three seventy Babbitt for his career. And it's, I mean, what you want to say it's going to regress, but when, yeah, it, you, you'll see where it goes. I mean, right now it's 424. It was 376 last year. It was 383. So to me, as the batter progresses a, a little bit here, the batting average can drop unless he corrects with the strikeout rate. Because you will look at, and this is one of the things, you know, we have for any season where a batter has had at least 250 plate appearances and has hit 300 while striking out at least 25% of the time, that's been done eight times in history. And looking back over the numbers, the two most recent examples are Justin Ruggiano in 2012 and then last year with Carlos Gonzalez. The following season, the average drop in batting average with these guys is the the lowest is 18 points. The average drops around 40 points. Right now, Carlos Gonzalez last year hit 302 despite striking out 27.2% of the time. This season, he's hitting 232 
it's going to take a lot of work over the next five months to get that batting average back over 300 for a consecutive season. And this, despite the fact he's striking out at a lower rate. I mean, his strikeout rate right now is 21.6%. So he's made the improvement, but it's not turning up in the batting average for them so far. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a, I have some, you know, worry about not, not, a, not a similar player, but kind of a little bit of a grip it and rip it guy in, in, in Pittsburgh and Starling yes. Marte, um, who never really had a great walk rate and, you know, has some questionable um, facets to his approach to the plate. I mean, definitely reaches a lot. Um, and now this year, you know, strikeout rate's gotten worse. Um, and, uh, you know, his zone contact rate has gotten worse and just, you know, everything's kind of worse across the board. Uh, and he wasn't really, you know, 280 batting average might be one of his better ones of his career when you look back. Um, so, you know, obviously the power and speed are, are rosterable and, you know, if he regresses at least back to his career a little bit, um, the strikeout rate should improve a little bit, but, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect it to uh, improve, and you know, improve to the point where you know I'm a little bit worried about the zips and steamer rest of season projections having around 24. Mm-hmm. percent um, I, I think he he might be worse than that for the season. So, Marte looks like um, I don't want to call him a bust, but uh, not not a lot to improve. Like uh, everyone thinks, a young player is definitely going to improve. One of the things I see, there's two other names I'd like to talk about here. One of them I'm looking at is. Uh, Nor- Nori Aoki. And I think I-, I wanted to ask, how much of this do you think is switching leagues? I mean, last year, 5.9% strikeout rate. This year, 157 He's in the same role. He's hitting leadoff for both the Kansas City as he did with Milwaukee. How much of this do you think is adjusting to the American League and seeing pitchers for the first time? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's another uh, high contact rate out of the zone. Uh, kind of a Prado line line there, where he, I mean, he makes a lot of contact in and out, but he's the biggest loss for him this year has been on contact on the outside of the zone, um, and uh, you know, I I struggle with him. I kind of with a swing strike rate around five percent. I just feel like that strikeout rate is going to improve, and most of. Um, not a limited physical package because I mean he's a major league baseball player, but um, you know he's he's not a Mike you know he's not a Mike Trout he's not like a you know a big athletic guy he's kind of uh, you know he's stolen more bases than you would expect given his speed and he's hit a little bit more homers a few more homers than you might think given his mm-hmm. power I think you know that kind of player is is does at least a little bit of studying um, and so he's got a, a whole new league to to adjust to. Um, you, you look at his first year line with the Brewers. He struck out almost ten percent of the time. Then second year, six percent. Uh, I see. I, I kind of. I'm betting on a little bit of improvement. But the problem is, he is kind of. I mean, he's very marginal. So he's not. I mean, in terms of talent, if he's not going to get the Ned Yost go 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 treatment, then uh, and maybe he is because he's been caught as many times as he's stolen. But he's still not taking off right. a ton. And if he's going to get the go 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 treatment, and he's not going to steal thirty bases. Um, you know, now we're talking about a guy who's going to hit 280 with three or four homers, 15 to 20 stolen bases. I mean, Replacement that's level. that's bench. 
Yeah, that's that's replacement. That's replacement level. I that's I I liked him going into the season because I liked the patience. I liked the contact rate. I figured he could get on base at a 35, 36% clip in Kansas City and get that go-go treatment from Yost to be able to run. So far that's that's really not playing out well in that regard. Brandon Belt is somebody that we've talked we talked about in the past and I believe we warned about this what was going on with him early on when he was hitting his bombs that he was he was selling out a bit for power and that's what we're seeing right now. We look at the strikeout rate. He was uh, his strikeout rate's gone from fourteen point seven percent last year to twenty three point four percent this year, so almost a a nine percentage point jump. Uh, we look at his overall slash line two fifty five two ninety six four eighty. That on base percent that's a big drop because he was three sixty each of the past two seasons. So the walk rate has gone is is almost been halved from eleven four two years ago to five point six percent this year. He does have the seven home runs, but he only has two doubles and about one of every five fly balls has left the yard. But you look at everything else, he's out of zone. He's chasing more pitches out of the zone. He's swinging and missing at more overall pitches, despite the fact that he's seeing more strikes now. It, to me, this seems like we, we talked about the Marlon Bird approach. I'm going to sacrifice contact for power. Well, this, it's working here. So far, he's hitting the bombs. But if those bombs don't make it over the fence and just become fly balls... This whole thing falls apart rather quickly. Yeah, I'm actually uh, going to hope to talk to him today uh, because I think there's a lot of interesting things going on. I mean, the, Jeff Sullivan just wrote a piece about the about the small uh, about reaching a little bit and reaching mm-hmm. a lot. It's a great piece, um, and and basically what he found is that Brandon Belt is one of the one of the people that um, is is reaching but not reaching a lot. He's just he's reaching at things that are three and four and five inches past the strike zone, but he's not he's not uh, you know uh, swinging at things that his eyes like a Pablo Sandoval or anything. So um, what I, I think that's interesting because it suggests to me that he still's got his eye, and you know this far into his career and with the walk rates he's shown, I think that we can say he's still got his eye, and that there is some choice he's making. Um, and for what it's worth, he's had this grip change and this batting stance change, and he's, he's pulling the ball a little bit more. Um, and uh, I feel like maybe opening up his stance like he did and, and changing his grip has allowed him to reach uh, pitches that are a little bit lower and a little bit more inside than he has in the past. He's pulling a little bit more. So I think that in some ways this is like, whoa, I can now get to these pitches um, a little bit more. And it is leading some whiffs. I mean, he's 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 coming off of like nine straight strikeouts or something crazy. Um, so obviously, I think he's going to have to adjust again. What makes me happy about his history and the particular way that this is happening is that there was a time when he was not adjusting yes. well, and it took him a really hard time to adjust. And 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 you know that was his struggling struggling his rookie season and then not showing much power his sophomore season. I think a lot of those were adjustments. Since then, I think he's been way more open to adjustments. He's made two major adjustments that have been very high profile in the past couple of years, or the past year and a half, and they've served him well. So, you know, now the talk around here is that he's found something again, he's thinking about it, and that he's, he's going to improve on that. So uh, I do see him maybe – I do see him striking out more uh, this year than in the past, but I, I kind of think that he might show more power um, because of it, and that there is still probably another adjustment. There's still a little bit over the past week. It's, it's been rather bad for him. You know, he's, he's seen 120 pitches over the past week. He's swung at 64 of those. He's missed 30 of them. So he's only put 11 pitches in play there 
is chased quite a number of pitches. I've seen 27 pitches swung at out of the strike zone, out out of the 120 pitches he's seen overall. So that's the, the strikeout rate recently here. That's the big run. It's been uh, rather exacerbated there and obviously he only he's only been able to get two hits so he's two for 23 with 12 strikeouts and three walks over the past week and it seems like a lot of his issues are falling in play right now before we get into uh, some of the other news one thing i don't know if, if you're aware of this what if i were to ask you which player has chased the fewest amount of pitches out of the strike zone who would you guess that pitch that batter to be mm-hmm well, it used to be Scudero. Correct, but he's not healthy uh, enough to qualify here. So we're talking about a guy who's an everyday player. Oh, man. I got Matt no idea. Joyce. Matt really? Joyce has the lowest O-swing percentage in baseball right now. Uh, also, I, I, that's the article that I wrote on Friday at Rotographs. I didn't mention that particular factoid because it just recently happened. But he has the lowest swing percentage out there, and it's looking – and he's using all parts of the field. Now, he's done this before. And I had somebody the other day saying, hey, I lost Chris Davis. I've lost Bryce Harper. Should I pick, Bryce Harper, should I pick up Matt Joyce? I'm like, God, why is he still available? How, how could he be? The, the, the month he's had, there's no way that he should, uh, he should be out there like this. And historically, he's been a player that's been really good in the month of May. Monthly splits are, you know, fool's gold thing. But for whatever reason, the dude hits in May. And if he's already hitting in April... It, you know, bears well. He's using all fields and hitting the, stinging the ball rather well, drawing a lot of walks. He walked five times in the game against the uh, the White Sox on Friday night. Walked another two or three. I think he's walked. I think he walked nine times in the four game set against Chicago there. And it wasn't like they were pitching around him to get to anybody. He was hitting right in front of Longoria uh, for the series. So it's not like you're going to pitch around to get to him. But it's just I thought it was unique. I, I expected Chu. I mean, Chu's the guy when I think of guys who have. Firm command of the strike zone. She was the guy I had in my mind, knowing a scooter was out. But that's uh, one of the things just to keep an eye on. Fantasy news that's relevant. Go well, ahead. He's Sorry, he's not really playing against lefties. Oh god, though, no. So that's kind of yeah. No, right? no, he's not. Uh, he barely sees time against yeah. lefties. Yeah, so that, that's a limiting factor in sort of weekly leagues and and shallower leagues. But I mean, most most mixed leagues have bench slots. I think I feel like most of you know most of the mixed leagues I've seen have been. Um, have been uh, daily leagues, so I think he's in a good good spot to be helpful. Indeed, yeah. let's go look at look at some fantasy news. The biggest thing is Manny Machado is back tonight. Today being Tuesday, uh, April 29th. Manny Machado was up three days earlier than expected. There was talks when he was going to be back this coming weekend. He's up today, and they have designated uh, Steve Pierce for assignment. So if you're playing in a very very deep AL league and you had Pierce, you can now cut him because he is gone, and that. So that's big news. That's good news considering we lost Bryce Harper for a couple of months yesterday as fantasy players. So to be able to get somebody like Machado back at least lessens the blow a little bit. Jacoby Ellsbury was scratched from tonight's game. He's he's suffering from hand deep hand pain, but they said the medicals didn't show up. It didn't have anything come up on it. So uh, structurally, he's fine in the hand, but he's got some pain in there. He's dealing with. Yeah, uh, I mean. They, he has an injury history, so it's worth uh, it's worth baking in some some uh, lost time for him. Every uh, year. Absolutely, uh, Mike Miner will start this Friday against San Francisco, so he is back in the uh, he'll be back in the Atlanta rotation because you know they obviously they obviously need starting pitching. They're doing so terribly this year, so to have Mike Miner back is going to be huge for Atlanta. <laughs> well, 
Uh, you know, they, they're, they're kind of going back to the days of being a factory. It is ridiculous uh, what they're doing this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it helps to be in the weaker league, I think. Um, you know, David Hale was just up fine. I mean, it was sort of a scrap heap kind of, oh, look what we got. And uh, and I think, they're, you know, if they'd given David Hale more time, he might have uh, exposed, exposed himself. And I don't mean in, in that sort of weird way. <laughs> <laughs> their their starting pitcher, their starting pitching ERA is three quarters of a run better than any other team in baseball right now. One fifty seven ERA from their starting pitchers. Cardinals next at two thirty two. Brewers at two seventy four. Dodgers two eighty one. Reds two eighty four. On the other end of that spectrum, Arizona six thirty two team ERA for their starting pitchers. That's that. Yeah, well, Arizona. Uh, that's that's the weird thing is that um, you know there's that park a little bit of a park factor there in Arizona since we're using ERA, but um, you know the Braves don't really do it the same way as the as the Cardinals. I, I did a piece on um, you know how velocity declines from day one for sports on Earth, and uh, yeah, and, enjoy your favorite pitcher yeah. now because he's never going to be that good again. I was like, damn, what a depressing right. title. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but. The weird thing is that the Cardinals rose when I did a velocity and age thing, and the Cardinals were young and, and throwing fast fastballs. I mean, that's if you think about their their players, that's that's that kind of describes a lot of them. Um, the Braves don't really have that going on. I mean, minor uh, what like ninety one, yeah ninety, um, and uh, Hale not not big on velocity. Wood has a little bit of velocity, but. Um, the Braves have, uh, might be focusing on something else, and it might be an interesting thing to think about is that um, if velocity declines from day one, if you find a lot of pitchers that, um, that have other things going for them, three, like say three pitches or, or like with Wood, a changeup and a slider um, that both work, um, or a changeup and a curve, I think, in his case. In any case, if you find guys that have multiple pitches – those guys might be in a better position to to be better later in their careers because they can feature their other pitches or you know change things up a little bit more than say perhaps I'm not I'm not saying this for sure but perhaps a Shelby Miller who uh, throws his fastball a ton and ha- you know you know we'll, we have yet to see what it would look like if he threw his curveball and changed a lot more. Yeah, it is. I have no idea when you look at, you know, picking up Aaron Harang, a guy that was dumped by the Indians. They're like, oh, we don't need him. And all of a sudden, Aaron Harang is unhittable for Atlanta. It is truly amazing what's happening there uh, with them. But kudos to them. Speaking of the Indians. One, 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 real quick about Mike Miner. I've had people ask me this. You would just start him right off. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some cases where I suppose there's a a wait and see factor, maybe, if they, if the, if the, um, the reports from the minor league uh, rehab weren't great, or if it was like a Brandon Beachy situation where uh, he, the guy didn't seem to be uh, coming back really well. Um, I think that there's some reason to think um, that uh, you might wait on a guy like that. But uh, I don't think the Mike Minor situation, it's not really surgeries coming off of, um, and the reports didn't, I haven't heard anything bad about him down there. So I'd start him. From day yeah, one. I would too. I'd put him in there, especially ballpark. San Francisco offense is not setting the world on fire right now. We, we saw Danny Salazar came into that start against the giants the other day, pitching some of the worst baseball I've seen. And he looked phenomenal against the giants. Uh, we're talking about two different pitching styles, but that giants offense limped into that start 
We talked about the struggles Brandon Belt's going through. It's not like Pablo's sending the, sending the world setting the world on fire. Posey's hitting poorly right now. There's a lot of key players in that Giants lineup that's not doing well. So I would be on that. Uh, going across the bay, Cespedes is back in the lineup today for the A's playing DH, not in the field, but at least he's in he's in the lineup playing. There was some kind of reservation that he may be retroactively put on the disabled list if he didn't show any, uh, show any improvement. But if they're doing this, that's no longer a factor there. Gio Gonzalez is starting the game tonight. I, Go ahead. I, Sorry. I think of, uh, as Cespedes, we were talking about him a little bit earlier, I think of him as a decent by low. The only asterisk being that it's starting to look like he's an injury-prone guy. Yes. Um, there's there's definitely uh, just the nicks and bruises, and I don't even think the DL stints give the the full the full story because um, he's uh, he's you know he, he 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 misses games you know not necessarily always weeks but he misses games. He does miss games. It is does get annoying. I was worried that I was going to lose him here. I'm like, oh man, please no 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 can't lose him can't lose him. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely wanted to keep him around, so it is uh it's good that he's. It's good that he's back and that they're not going to have to hit the retroactive DL because that was going to be a bit of a concern there uh, for him. Gio Gonzalez is going to make the start tonight. There was some concern that he had a tightness in his shoulder, uh, but he's fine to pitch. Ryan Braun's still out of the lineup. They don't know when that's going to be the case. Michael Pineda is not only suspended because of the pine tar thing, but now he's undergoing an MRI because he has tightness in his right lat muscle. He was doing a simulated game Tuesday to stay on his throwing schedule and left it hurt. So he was supposed to come back a week for a, a week from yesterday on Monday to start. That's now not going to happen. So maybe he may go from the suspended list right to the disabled list uh, for him. So that's something to keep an eye on. And Harper had his surgery on, on today, Tuesday on his thumb. Uh, he's going to be out at least two months, and he probably won't be back until after the All-Star break. Uh, but better news, Iwakuma is going to start this Friday at Houston. Like Mike Miner, if, as soon as you get the news that Iwakuma is definitely up, put him right in your lineup, especially especially against that Houston matchup. Yeah, I I've been struggling with a little bit with the Harper thing is how much of a pickup I think Nate McLeod is. Um, you know, he's had uh, two issues in the past, so he's, you know, probably not going to be out there very much against left um you know stolen bases don't age very well and though he had a, a career high with 30 last year i you know i wouldn't project him anywhere close to that even in a full year this year um and uh you know his power kind of waxes and wanes so i mean you're talking about a guy that the, the zips rest of season has him around 240 um eight and 13 uh sounds more like of a deep league pickup and you know at this point he's gone so um, but I, I, I wonder if, um, you know, if you can stick him in there just against righties um, and just in, in sort of good situations, he might be a good bench uh, bench play in, in, uh, in mixed league. Here's, here's what happened in my local home league. Uh, the guy that had Bryce Harper, he drafted him in the minor. The first year he was out, he's had him forever. And then once this news hit the fan, he traded Bryce Harper, Colin Moran, and Eric Chavez and got Darren Ruff, Michael Morrison, Alexi Amarista in return. Oh, God. thank you. That was my initial reaction as well. I mean, that's that's what happens when you make a trade out of frustration because like, I'm tired of this guy getting hurt. I'm tired of him underachieving. That's it. I'm going to give him away. This is a keeper league. This isn't a reset keeper. Oh, and the key guy in this trade in return was Michael Morse. That's that was an emotional trade, I think. And uh, 
I, I usually try to step away from the computer if I'm if I'm feeling that way about a player. Um, you know, usually, you know, I've been uh, I've been taking a task recently a little bit about this. I, I I'm I play in a lot of keeper leagues, so if I have a bias in, in a shortcoming as an analyst, uh, and you know, maybe my followers or listeners have noticed this, it's towards patience. I'm always I'm always a patient guy. I'd rather wait for a bigger sample. I'd wait wait for longer. I kind of believe in that Ron Chandler um, believe, uh, sort of statement that once you show something, you mm-hmm. own it. Uh, so I I uh, I'm always sort of waiting for the guy to be who he used to be. Not not necessarily. I know there's aging, but um, you know I, I I believe in players, and I usually wait it out. So um, you know I. In that case, I would say, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna think about training Bryce Harper, but I'm gonna wait a week. You know, it's gonna be a week closer to his return. Uh, the offers will be a week better, I think, and uh, and I'm not gonna trade him just now because he just got hurt. I, I agree. I was just the other thing that kind of frustrated me here is this wasn't shopped around. This just kind of happened. It wasn't like, oh my god, I'm tired of this guy. Uh, Who wants him? It just I woke up this morning, saw this, I'm like, what? Uh, and again, uh, this is. This is a league I don't I don't believe in vetoes. I don't believe in them. But somebody like I I was joking on Twitter, people. I'm like, this is what happens when you trade out of anger. They're like, oh my god, veto. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're if you pay your league dues, yeah. you should be able to do what you want with your team. And I get if you're burned by this guy and whatnot, but man, you gotta take a step back away, let this simmer down a couple of days and be like, okay, let's see what happens. If even if you look at the rest of season projections for Michael Morris, who's off to a decent start, 14 home runs, 44 RBI hitting 265. Okay. I challenge you that Bryce Harper could do that in half a season if he comes back healthy by the All-Star break. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an interesting pickup. I mean, he might actually be available in some places. He may be. I know he's off to the, the, uh, the strikeout rate's really high for him right now. The walk rate's really low for him, but he is hitting the home runs. So if you're trying to replace the power, go for it. And in labor, this hurts Paul Spore and I because Bryce Harper was our first-round draft pick, and Carlos Gomez was our second-round draft pick. So the, the Gomez is holding up, but that's going to hurt a little bit. All right, with that, that is uh, our show for the day. Any final thoughts for anybody? No, no. Um, I just thanks again. Yeah, for thanks listening. again, guys. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Boom.